Hello, it's Josh here. What you're about to hear is a pilot episode of a currently untitled review podcast hosted by me and the other half of Heavy Blog's Melbourne contingent, Carlo. Uh, we're hoping to have some of the other writers on as guests or contributors on later episodes, but this one's just me and Carlo going through and discussing all the heavy and uh, one not so heavy releases from January. This is something I've been trying to get going for years, both at Heavy Blog and other sites I've written for, and I think the push to finally get it going was inspired by a lot of the the other music podcasts that I listen to moving away from the review format, uh, which is what I primarily go to them for. So hopefully this can go some way toward filling that gap. Uh, the idea is to do a recap podcast each month, focusing on reviewing the albums we find interesting and responding to some of the reviews published on Heavy Blog and just giving a roundup of the month's releases. This one is kind of rough since we're just trying the format out and I was having a lot of technical difficulties on my end uh, with modems dropping out and things and there's a bit of background noise, but hopefully we'll have that smoothed out for future episodes as we settle into things. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this and we'll be back very soon with February's episode, which as I mentioned in this one is going to be absolutely stacked. So yeah, thanks for listening and I hope you like what you hear. I'm not sure how to start this. I don't have a name. Do you have a name? I just wanted to call it the Heavy Blog Review Pod. Have you got anything? Uh, I hadn't thought about a name, so... No. Well, if you come up with anything, let me go. The best I've got is pure review. You have to clench your fist every time you do it. But As I don't in, like, think that's a good one. Clenching fists of dissent? No. Clenching is there a reference of... there? Or... Uh, it's sort of like a pun on peer review. Ah, right, right. But that's, yeah, it's not a good one. Um... <laughs> Maybe we can come up with a different review pun every time. <laughs> well, well, let's let's keep the ideas flowing. Yeah, We've got if some you time. come up with a pun, just uh, drop it in. Cool. As for starting, I guess we should introduce ourselves. So I'm Josh. That's how I start my other podcast. Tell me about yourself, Josh. Well, why don't you tell us who you are first? <laughs> so I'm Carlo. Cool. Um, and and we both write for Heavy Block, is heavy, and we do. like talking about uh, music and stuff, so we're going to do that, and maybe some people will want to listen to it, I guess is, is the premise of the show. Hopefully. Um, we'll find out. <laughs> we'll see. Um, yeah, do, do we want to talk about ourselves, I guess, and uh, keep it in relation to uh, our music stuff, or do you want to give everyone your life story? Where, how much do you want the people to know? Uh... I don't think people care about my life story too much, um, but I've written for Heavy Blog for like six or seven years now, and mostly my genres of interest are predominantly tech and prog oriented. Uh, I lo- death metal is probably my go-to. Straight death metal, boring as fuck. Death metal with a prefix, great. So that's pretty much my taste in a nutshell. Right, so you're saying you don't like straight-ahead uh, death metal, you, you like variations. Exactly. Yeah, so I'd say I associate your, your taste with techie-proggy stuff, um, but usually sort of the more, I guess, um, palatable side of things rather than the when it gets all weird and, and experimental. I don't know if you're going for Yeah, that's that. fair. Dissonance, yeah. atonal, good in small doses, but uh, small doses it is. <laughs> and uh, and you do the, the artwork column. Yeah, yeah, a gift to artwork. Uh, so I figured I, I like album art. Not many people seem to write about album art, so why not do that? Yeah, it's a bit, it is a bit of a, a unique um, column. I guess now you mention that, I, I do the, the thrash metal and I contribute to the, the hardcore column as well, which everybody writes about, so uh, you're much more unique and progressive <laughs> than I am. I'd say I'd say I'm probably maybe the most mainstream-leaning of the uh, heavy blog people, writers. 
would that be fair? Yeah, I think that's a fair call. I like uh, I like metalcore. It's good fun. Um, so yeah, they're, they're the different angles we're coming uh, to things from, but you'll work that out as we go. Um, so what is the premise? We're going to talk about some albums. And I had this great idea that what if it was like a little festival we did every month? Or maybe twice a month, depending on how much spare time we have. Because I'm looking at February and there is a lot of stuff that came out in February. So mm. we will see how long and how much effort this is and then we can assess. So yes, I, I had this idea that there would be headliners, uh, the big albums that we would talk about every month. And then there would be an undercard. Is that a word? Have I made that up? That's a word that I feel like is a word. And then I say it. I'm like, that's not a word. Um, uh, I feel like it is a word, but uh-huh. it makes me think of fights rather than festivals. Yeah, like it's like a, a building of fight. a fight. Yeah. 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 So until we come up with a better name, there, there is the undercard, which... Um, so if the headliners are the big releases that uh, we feel compelled to check out or obliged to that everyone's probably listening to, then the undercard is sort of the... Still probably some bigger releases, but the stuff we've sort of individually highlighted as, as stuff we're interested in talking about that's come out in the month and then um and hopefully we will have both listened to those ones and then we'll also throw in some time at the end to talk about the supports which is all the little things that we don't really have much to say about but maybe we want to point out and maybe the other one uh, the other person hasn't listened to maybe they have we will see i know supports and undercard mean the same thing but that's what i'm going with for now so sounds good for this pilot episode, our headliners are going to be Fit for an Autopsy, The Weekend, and Will to Run. Is that how we're saying that? Will to Run? Yep. Cool. And then we have an undercard consisting of Shadow of Intent, Enterprise Earth, Hadal Moore, Comeback Kid, and maybe Under Earth. Did you listen to the Under Earth album? I did, yes. All right. So Under Earth as well, sneaking in there. And then the supports will just be whatever we feel like talking about at the end. Does that sound good to you, Carlo? Let's do it. All right. So, starting with, uh, well, definitely not the biggest artist on the uh, list, but the big metal release for January, I I think, uh, would be Fit for an Autopsy. Yes. That'd be the big one. Although, Fit for an Autopsy, kind of a weird one I was thinking about today, because I think they're huge among, like, not quite underground circles, but sort of the internet blogosphere, if you want to call it that. Mm. Um but they don't really have any mainstream presence. Like, they're a known name, but not really a, a mainstream one. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, yeah. I, the, the genre choice does limit it a bit. Right, um, they are an extreme metal band. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, I mean, there's scope to grow. We've got the likes of Thy Art, for example, that are, you know have decent followings. That's true. Yeah, there's, they're probably building a bit on that. And of course, you have the association with Will Putney, who does the production for them and is the guitarist in Fit for an Autopsy and things. So, yeah, that's a good point. It's it's weird how big Thyata's Murder of God. Yeah. Which it is. I we'll leave that for a, another, another yeah, time. Yeah, I, I was going to go into my whole <laughs> Thyata's Murder thing, but it's kind of crazy <laughs> that they're a, they're a huge bag given like how heavy they are. I, I saw them support. Um, Parkway Drive when they played at the the which arena was it? Was it Margaret Court Arena, the big tennis arena? So they yeah. were the opening band, and it was very strange to see the Artis Murder playing in um yes a tennis a tennis arena. It was just like this is this is too heavy for this. This is silly. Uh, but yes, we're not meant to be talking about the Artis Murder because we're talking about Fit for an Autopsy. 
uh, who I've been a fan of since I think it's their their second album was that Hell Hellbound, which I still think is one of the the best sort of just straight ahead, almost ignorant, just bludgeoning uh, deathcore releases. And then they got a bit weird and proggy on the on the later stuff. Um, but how I know you were a big fan of their last album, yeah? Yeah. So like in general, I think it's important when we're going through all of our albums. What's the the context that we're approaching this from? And so with Fit for an Autopsy, their previous record, A Sea of Tragic Beasts, was my introduction to them. And it's right. still and prior to uh, their latest, uh, it was the only album of theirs that I've heard. I haven't gone back through their back catalogue. Oh, wow. So A Sea of Tragic Beasts was tied for my album of the year in, oh, wow. tied I think, what? 2019. Uh, North Lane, that was Alien. Lane. Yeah. Sometimes I thought it was fit for, an, fit for an autopsy. Sometimes I thought it was North Lane. So I ended up just calling it a, a tie. Right. Um, wow. I didn't know it was it was that high for you. Um, well, I, we'll see how you feel about this album. But um, I definitely recommend you go back to The Great Collapse from 2017, which is sort of the start of the, this more proggier take. Weirdly, I was a little bit disappointed with the Sea of Tragic Beasts, and I feel like I'm in the in the minority there. I mean, we are going to talk about uh, Kelda's review that he did for the site, and I think he says it was a bit of a disappointment as well, but I think we're the only two people that think that, because everything else I saw about it was completely glowing. I didn't think it was a bad record. Um, I was just, I was very excited for it based on The Great Collapse, which I think was in my top five for whatever year that was, 2017. And then this one came along and it had some cool songs. I think is Mirrors in particular is, is the big one on there. But weirdly overall, the, the main problem I had with the album was the production, which is a weird thing to say, given that it's, it's Will Putney and he produces everything and he's so good and all that. But I found the production on Sea of Tragic Beast to be like, kind of sludgy which is not what he's known for he does the real like crisp thing when you think of thy art and there's something about sea of tragic beast where i just found everything kind of muddy like it really sort of blended together a lot for me weird i think i didn't get that sense at all yeah no i and i don't think anyone else does just every time (laughs) i listen to it i'm like it just sounds like it's all i really had to like try to hear what was going on I, i don't know so that one like i thought it was cool but i think between that and and Great Collapse, that really put them. They were already a known quality, already a known quantity, but that sort of elevated them to the top of like these are some of the best yep. bands in deathcore, if not underground-ish extreme metal in general. Uh, yeah. Which brings us to oh, what the future holds. Which my first critique of the album is why isn't there a comma in the title? But <laughs> how are you feeling about oh, what the future holds, Carlo? I think it's great. I really like it. Uh, I think there's, like, a part of me thinks that it's on par with A Sea of Tragic Beasts, but then at the same time, I still much prefer A Sea of Tragic Beasts. So I don't know how how I really reconcile those two feelings at the moment. Maybe I just need more time with it. Uh Um, But it's, it's along the same trajectory. It's more of what I like from them, that mixture of the... Tech, techie riffs with just the brutal simplicity and power um, of the breakdowns and the vocals. Yeah, well, what I was holding my tongue from saying before when I was uh, talking up The Great Collapse is I think that 
was their best album in, until now. I think this is far and away the best fit for an autopsy album. Maybe a, um, a contender for best deathcore album. I, I think this is amazing. I think this is an incredible album, and I'm really quite blown away by how good it is and how good it is after like I leave it for a bit and I go, oh, it can't be that good. It's just another deathcore album. And I go back to it. <laughs> I'm like, no, every moment on this album rules. I'm always going there. I'm like, this is the best song. No, no, this one. I think uh, I think Two Towers is my favorite song, but um, it just keeps it just keeps going. I don't know. One one of the issues I have with it at the moment, and I'm not sure if this is going to change as I get more familiar with it, but I feel like it's reasonably front loaded. Like all of my favorite tracks are in the front half, and then towards the end, it's still good, but it's not as wow, this is sick. Um, yeah, I, I can see that. I think it definitely comes out strong, but I, I would say it's like middle-loaded for me. Because, um, yeah, Two Towers is my favourite song, and then you've got Higher Level of Hate, which is just... I mean, that is the best Thy Art is Murder song. Um, they never wrote. Uh, yes, the best Thy Art is Murder song that's not on Dear Desolation. Yeah, I, I think it's great. At the middle, I think that there probably is a bit of a drop-off after Higher Level of Hate. Like, the songs mm. aren't worse, they're just not as memorable and gripping, but, like, as you said, it still maintains that level of quality so yeah yeah i i think this album's sick and i have nothing bad to say about it other than there's no comma and weirdly on the thumbnail in my itunes makes it look like the lady on the cover's wearing a mask i keep thinking she's wearing <laughs> one of the covid masks and then I it's like no she's got like a skull face and i find that very confusing um yeah i i think this rules and you know people always say these things this could be an album of the year contender i think like it was released the first week of the year and it's right up there for me and if you're saying yeah see a tragic beast was um your joint album of the year that that sort of validated me i'm like oh should i be that excited about this album it's the first week of the year it's just a deathcore band but if you're saying no their last album was that good and i think this is way better yeah, I feel feel good about it. Yeah, no, get excited. This will almost certainly be in my top fifteen, I would think, um, based on how I feel right now. But there's definitely like there's nothing st- that qu- stopping it from being a potential contender. And we're, and we're talking about Elm of the Year things because we write for a metal blog, and that's how we think. And also, exactly. we've just been through all of this, so you know, we're thinking about our little rankings that no one else cares about, but. Yeah, no, I would eat my own face if if this wasn't in my top 10. I'm expecting it to be definitely top five because I was looking at my, my top five from last year and I think this would be would be in there. Like my, my top three albums um, that aren't by suspicious xenophobes with uh, Nazi dog whistles in the title of their albums um, were Between the Buried and Me, Every Time I Die and Panopticon and I think this is on, on par with all of those. So, yeah, yeah, fair. Uh, I just had a couple of other things yep. I wanted to, to say. One no, on the vocals, I feel like they're one of the few bands in extreme metal where I feel that the use of harsh vocals is not just because it sounds cool, but because they're genuinely furious about what they're saying. He sounds um, mad, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I love it. And the clear enunciation, I mm. think, just lends to that power um, that you hear as well. Yeah, you should definitely check out The Great Collapse, because Hydra's going to blow your head off. But um, <laughs> the, the, this particular style of vocal, which... Um, I don't really know how to describe it. So it's like almost muffled, but that like sort of deeper, mm. like a booming yeah. um, voice rather than a raspy voice. Uh, that always reminds me of Misery Signals. Are, are you familiar with them? No. Right. Well, I mean, like, yeah, incredibly influential metalcore, progressive metalcore band. But I think like every time I hear that vocals, I sort of trace it back to there. So they're definitely in that tradition. Um, but you've reminded me of something else I wanted to say about this album, which is... 
Did you listen to the last Whitechapel album, the one that came out last year, Ken? No. Um, I think I think you might like it. It's like it's very toolish, which is okay. weird. Right. Um, yeah. Not what I was expecting to hear. No, no, I don't think anyone was expecting it. They like, sort of went like <laughs> a little bit proggy and had some clean vocals on the one before, which um, people were really into. When I was a bit more mixed about the Valley, and then this one, they've gone like not quite full prog, but like eighty percent prog. Um, they've definitely been listening to Tool, although it has it has the other thing they're doing is bringing in the clean vocals, um, which are good, but they just remind me of Stained, who also have like a bit of a Tool tone to them. So every yeah. time they hit the clean section, I'm like, oh, it's Stained, which I don't hate Stained, but I'm like, why is it in my death call? <laughs> but the the leads and the drumming on on that album are insane. They're good. But the thing with that album is it, it's sort of it's very modal. It's like here's the heavy part, here's the proggy part, here's the clean singing part, and, right. and all those parts are good, but it seems like very sectioned off. And this album, I think, blends all of that. Like it has the proggy stuff through all of it. There's a little bit of clean singing, not as much on the Whitechapel stuff, and it's not really used in the same way. Where here's the big clean stain chorus but there are clean sections in there but the whole time it sounds like a death core album and, and i think yeah 100%. there's more going on in this album than maybe like to the ear even on something like higher level of hate there's the riffing is more interesting than a lot of yeah something like the eyes murder who i like their new stuff but it's it does what it does mm. um yeah is that all we want to say about fit for an autopsy oh no wait i wanted to have Something I wanted to do with this podcast is sort of like bring in some of the reviews that the other people have uh, for Heavy Blog have written, mm. um, uh, just so it's not just us and no one else gets to talk. But yeah, Calder reviewed this album and said, The Sea of Tragic Beasts was not their best work. It was fine. It was passable. It had some good tracks, but mostly it meandered and nothing stuck out quite like their previous releases. Um, which, as I mentioned, I sort of agree with that sentiment. You don't. Um, but then he goes and slags off on Earth, so I can't be getting behind that. <laughs> um, but yeah, he concludes, uh, Or What the Future Holds finds fit for an autopsy with a little more patience, finally hitting their veteran stride in their sixth studio album. Tracks are given ample space to come alive in the pensive, bestial way only fit for an autopsy can paradoxically achieve. Instead of constantly clobbering you with the big riffs, it's a commanding, inspired outing far removed from the languor of their prior work. And not, I'm not too sure about the languor of their prior work, but I think we, we definitely agree with that overall assessment. Yeah, yeah. One anecdote I, that we, we can end on, and this may or may not ruin your enjoyment of a certain section of A Higher Level of Hate. Yes, so as it hits... The, one of the breakdowns in a higher level of hate. Yep. The the lyrics come in with refine, eliminate. But uh-huh. on first listen, I heard to find a lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's and not now, bad. Now I can't unhear it, but I but still love it. That'll become like a what's the what's the trivium one with the with the boat rudder that everyone yeah. yells at their shows now. Yeah. No, that's all right. I'll listen out for that next time. All Right, we're moving on now to what, what is definitely the biggest release of the, the bracket and the month of January 2020, um, and a decidedly not metal outing, because like uh, Heavy Blog, um, we are, I think they say genre agnostic, but I, I mm-hmm. guess we're genre irreverent, because I believe genre exists, I just don't really care. <laughs> this is The Weekend. The Weekend. I don't know, he doesn't have that E in there. 
These are all words I've never said out loud. Let's go with weekend. Let's go with the weekend. All right. I'm not sure. I've put the weekend here because I think it's interesting. I want to talk about it. And I've sort of noticed uh, a lot of uh, other people on, on the site, like when we're doing the what we've been listening to, uh, playlists and things that he's been sticking in there. So I think, you know, he struck a chord at least with our uh, sphere. Yeah. Um, I um, I really didn't like that last weekend album that was huge and has that, that Blinded by the Light song. Um, my, my partner, Maddie, uh, loved it. And Maddie likes two or three albums a year that she plays constantly on repeat until the next one comes out and that was one of them so i heard that album a lot and i just i i don't like it that particular um like it's 80s but it's this particular style of 80s retro sound is not for me so i wasn't sure i didn't really pay much attention to this album but then it was sort of getting so much hype and things i, I checked it out carlo how do you feel about the weekend are you annoyed we're talking about it do you care what's going on i'm reasonably indifferent uh, right. it's this is the first full record of his that I've checked out. Um, I've heard the the hits, uh, yep. and I really liked the Blinding Lights song that you mentioned. I think that's mentioned. a good song. It's it's the rest of the album that I don't care for. Very, very cool. On this one, I thought, again, heavily front-loaded, up, up to maybe the first five tracks or so, I thought it was amazing. And then mm-hmm. it dropped off to be fine, mm-hmm. to maybe pretty good. I didn't really care too much for the concept side of things and like the radio voiceovers and and such overall i thought it was a solid album a bit of a slow burn uh i kind of dismissed it on my first listen but then when i came back to it to for the when you when you listed that as a headliner for this i enjoyed it more than when i'd first heard it the first few times um so maybe i just need to spend more time with it um, yeah, I'm I'm really taken with this album. Quite into it. I've been I've been listening to it a bunch. But I, I fully agree with you about the front loaded. It's it's those first five songs are great and then I don't think I've listened to the whole album all the way through uh, since maybe the first or, or second time I listened to I did listen to it all the way through today because I realized that and decided I wanted to go back and, and listen to the end of the songs. And there's really not that much there. Mm. Um, when this album was first announced, I don't know where I got this from, but I thought it was it was an EP. Right. Um, and I think it probably would have been a lot better as an EP if it, if it was those, those first five songs and maybe like one or two. I like the weird, um, like the Every Angel is Terrifying, which sort of brings in that dark, like synthwave sort of sound on it. It's like not really a song, but it, it's cool. And I think Out of Time's alright, and Best Friends has got a cool beat. But yeah, like half the album is very forgettable. Yeah. Um, but the first half is so good, or the first five or six songs. But this is really, this has sent me down, like going back and checking out old weekend stuff, because mm-hmm. I knew I liked the song Starboy. Turns out I really like the album Starboy. That is the, uh, the one for me. And then going back to some of his earlier stuff, like um, the House of Balloons. It's a yep. mixtape, but it's an album. I don't know what that means. Is really interesting and like weirdly like experimental, and, and I can see where the influence that is. So I've been spending a lot of January uh, going back and learning that I, I like the weekend. Um, I still don't like After Hours. It just that sounds <laughs> not for me. Which by comparison, because like he has that '80s sort of vibe through him throughout all his work. This one has a real '70s feel to me. Like Michael Jackson is the the point of reference. Yeah, he's got Quincy Jones talking on the album, but I think there's one song, is it? There's one of them that is just Don't Stop Till You Get Enough. Might be, um, (laughs) might even be Take My Breath. No, Sacrifice. Sacrifice is fully Don't Stop Till You Get Enough. Okay. So I like, I like that. 
outside a lot more. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be one of the most popular, most successful albums of the year, but I think it would be a, a perfect EP. I do find the the radio station thing, I don't know if it fully works, but I definitely find it more interesting and intriguing. Like, I've said I, I'm finding I like the old weekend material, but my main gripe with it is every single song is I really wish I respected women more, but I'm doing too much cocaine and also women are cocaine. And that is every <laughs> single song. So then here where he's like, I'm doing this concept album, but like, what if you were listening to the radio on the drive to heaven? I'm like, okay. I, I don't mind that he went for the concept and that he, he tried out the, the radio idea. Um, and I don't think he should not have done it. It's just not something that appeals to me specifically. It's sort of like not there enough, like throughout the album, it just sort of shows up in like two or three parts rather than being this through line. Mm. But then when it shows up, it's there too much. Like the last song yeah. goes on for way too, too long. long. And we're yeah. bearing the lead here, of course. It's it's Jim Carrey is the yeah. um, radio DJ, which I, I don't know why. How did that happen? I'm sure there's, there's stories out there, but I, I'm still like, okay. Yeah, I don't know if he really works. I don't know if he's the, the best. I sort of like when the uh, the weekend himself is doing the mm. bits and, and he sings the jingles. Although um, I've been, I'm, I'm a real man now. I have a, a full time job where I get up at um, six in the morning and, and drive there. So I throw on the radio in the morning and they're and they're always playing um, the, this the weekend. That's normally gasoline, the first song. And every single time this is on Triple J, when it finishes, like it fades out weird because it like it's part of the concept album. Yep. Yeah. And they always stop and take a moment to say, oh, that was really awkward how it faded out, but it, like it's better on the album, you guys. <laughs> but the concept of the album is that it's on a radio station, so it should be setting them up to like come in. I don't know. Drives me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get back into something uh, more metal, though not nearly as sizable as The weekend, nor even fit for an autopsy. Uh, we decided they're called Will to Run. Yes. And uh, we are going to talk about their new album that I didn't write down the name of. Epigon. Epigony. Oh, I'm going ah, with Epigony. Okay. Like Antigone. You're pro- look, you're probably right. Well, there was uh, the Heaven Shall Burn album Antigone that I thought was called Antigon, but then Antigone is a play. So I figure it's it's Epigony, but Epigon. And they are probably nerdy enough to go for down the Epigony route. Well, Epigon also reminds me of Epicloud by Devin Townsend, which I think this album shares a lot in, in common with. Yeah. But we'll get onto that in a second. Um, this is here, obviously not one of the, the big releases, but a big release in Heavy Bloggers Heavy Circles, because I think uh, their previous album, Veal of Imagination, from 2019, hit a big chord with pretty much everyone at the blog, I think. Were you into that one? I liked it. I didn't love it as much as uh-huh. many of our friends and colleagues did. Uh-huh. Um, it was it was sort of just scraping into my end of year list. Right. Yeah, I don't think it made mine. It was sort of um, like an album I thought was more interesting, but I didn't really listen to it that often. Mm. Um, but when I do listen to it, I, I think it's pretty great. So were you excited for this one at all? Uh, I, I don't know if excited is the right word. I right. I wanted to check it out. I was I was hoping that I would love it. I think the one before Veil of Imagination, I I had really enjoyed, or at oh, least okay. at the time, it felt like something really fresh and new and that I'd not heard before. And then since then, 
I feel like they're sort of settled into their groove. And on this one, uh, I'm probably feeling pretty similarly to how I did on the previous one. It's pleasant. I enjoy mm-hmm. listening to it, but it's not making a huge impression on me. Uh, and I, I feel like for, for my tastes, I want more of their metal side and less of their folk side. Um, well, you've just proved yourself the Justin Timberlake of this podcast because I have absolutely nothing of worth to add. You just, that's everything I feel about this album. <laughs> you've summed it up. Yeah, it's, it's, not really stuck with me i i gave it a, a write-up i meant i wanted to pick it as the uh, i do the um the release day roundups we have the um at the top picks of the week or whatever and i'm one of the guys that does that um and i wanted to pick this album but i was too late getting it in so but then the next week i, I picked it as like oh the best album of last week or whatever uh which in retrospect should have been the weekend um and i i can't <laughs> remember what i wrote but i was like oh yeah it's prog and it's it's super prog and i did say oh it's a, it's a bit different to the previous one it's a bit it's a bit of a grower but i was like no nah, it's it's gonna grow on me yeah and then sort of a month down the track it every time i've gone back to it i've been less enamored with it Mm. It takes a long time to get going yes and that's that was the next thing i was gonna say i feel Mm. like it's not until track three that i actually feel like it's grabbing my attention um and you know when you've got almost 20 minutes of music to get to that point that's a bit concerning well, even like that, the first song is like a, a soft sort of proggy song, which really reminds me of Porcupine Tree, um, have their comeback album coming out later in the year. So I was like the previous album, the touch point was Opeth mm. and then maybe Edge of Sanity and that sort of stuff. And here I was like, okay, Porcupine Tree, we're going in a, in a different proggy direction. So you've got that soft song, which, yeah, it's almost five minutes. And then the next song starts with a soft intro that takes two and a half minutes to kick in. So I'm like, well, why is that first song there if you're going to have reset into the soft intro? It's like, it doesn't have to be heavy all the time, but like this album is dynamic in everything that's going on, right? It goes yeah. really, really soft, really, really loud. But I find the the mood of it, the tone to be very stagnant. It's always in that sort of mellowy kind of i don't know like you said i enjoy it while it's on it just it hasn't grabbed me apart from maybe like there's a couple of moments i think distraction part two um Mm. which is the heavier faster one um which just sticks out by being heavy and faster yeah i don't know i think this is a good album but like i've been we've been seeing everyone putting the weekend in their album collages and thing i haven't seen anyone talk about or mention this album since it came out yeah very cool uh eden eden did review it and he said, It's an album that will challenge you and will take a long time to decipher since more of it lies beneath the surface. But don't misunderstand, if you're coming to Epigony for the same melodic flourishes the Veil of Imagination was so good at, you will not be disappointed. It's all there, just glimpsed at from beyond a mirror darkly. I don't know, I'd be interested to follow up with him and because and, he, it feels like he's saying the same sort of thing I was when this album came out. Like, oh yeah, it's different, but it'll grow on you and if it hasn't grown on me, I wonder if it's grown on him as well. Maybe yeah. I'll ask and I can edit him in. Um, though he did point out I, I read his review today and the whole um most of the review is comparing the cover art which i found really interesting so right. uh, have you read the review no i'll have to check it out then uh yeah well he sort of contrasts that the uh what was a villa of imagination has a warm color palette and this one has a cool color palette he's talking about how that relates to the the different sounds of the album which yep mm. good point um, and he points out that if you look in the in the bottom left corner of this, the cover of this one, it's got the um, like the warm colours, the oranges and the yellows sort of being swept away in the storm, which is which is interesting. So it, this is definitely a oh, conscious yeah. shift they've made. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Very yeah. observant. All right, there Just are headlines. Stealing, stealing my thunder. Thanks, Eden. <laughs> so you have invoked my name on a podcast of which I was not a part. Your punishment will be severe and eternal.
But seriously, I listened to what you guys had to say about Will Duran's Epigone. Epigone? It's the first time I'm saying the name out loud and I realize I have no idea how to actually pronounce it or what it means. But yeah, um, the album has definitely grown on me. I think, like I said in the review, it did take me a while to decipher um, some of what they were going for here. And while I agree with you that it's less direct or directly pleasing than Veil of Imagination, I actually end up liking it not more, but at least the same amount. Now, you know what? More just depends on the day of the week, right? Depends on my mood and what I want to listen to. If I want to hear something flamboyant and extravagant and in your face, then I'll listen to Veil of Imagination. But if I want to go more on the proggier side or the more ambient sound, um, then I'll listen to Epigon. I think it's a fantastic album, and the only reason I haven't really been, quote-unquote, talking about it is because I reviewed it, right? So I did my part. I'm not sure why others haven't been talking about it as much. Maybe they just haven't had the time yet to dive into it. But I really do think that it's a fantastic album, and also a really brave move by the band, by Wilderon, to kind of explore different parts of their sound. Yeah, you mentioned Porcupine Tree. Um, definitely an influence. I think in general that whole area of um, not post-progressive exactly because it's not really what we're talking about here but you know Pineapple Thief and stuff of that ilk both swords work in general is a major influence here. And that's it. Carlo, you're welcome uh, for me stealing your job uh, doing the art thing. It was never exclusive. I never signed any contract, so I'm going to feel free to um, cover album arts in the future. You can't tell me what to do because I run the blog. Peace out, nerds. On to the undercard. On to the undercard. Where do we want to start? Uh, let's go with Shadow of Intent. All right. Uh, yeah, so on the same day that the uh, the Fit for an Autopsy album came out, I'm sure most of our listeners will be aware, it was pretty much all the Death uh, Core albums came out, including, uh, what is it, Allergy by Shadow of Intent, although I don't know if I'd call them a Death Core band anymore. We'll get to that. Um, Carlo, previous experience with Shadow of Intent? Uh, I've, I've listened to all of their records, uh-huh. and... I listened to this one, and throughout, I don't really have much to to take away. The vocalist has chops, mm-hmm. and the rest just seems pretty bland to me. Right, this is this is on all their albums, including this one. Yeah. Um. Okay. Like, there's a bit more symphonics, I guess, going on here, which is cool. Uh, and I feel like there's a bit of flesh god worship. Oh yeah. Um. But. It's still not really hitting the spot for me. Yeah, I would have gone with, I think, uh, Cradle of Filth and, and Bleeding Through. But yes, that symphonic sort of uh, side to it. I'm, I'm surprised to hear you say that like that disinterest, whether whether you like it or not, but that lack of engagement is, is consistent across their like all of their albums. Because I think this is quite far removed from certainly their, their first few albums, which I think were pretty straightforward. Do they have much synth- uh, symphonic stuff on the early stuff? I haven't gone back to them recently. Uh, not that I recall, like yeah. maybe on an intro track or something, but not really throughout. Because they had a, a pretty big sound change, I think, on their previous album, Melancholy, from 2019, where it moved more in that melodic death metal um, mm. symphonic angle. And and I was all about that album. I, I really liked it. And, and I think this is that sound sort of brought to Furish. I think this album rips 
um yeah and i think it's i think it's got a lot going for it um like not just the symphonic stuff like there's power metal influences on of fury and stuff the lead work is insane yeah i don't know if i if i'd call this deathcore anymore i think the core is pretty well weeded out of this apart from maybe the well, even the vocal delivery is sort of a mellow death sort of thing mm. they sort of they really remind me like not so much sonically but just the way they're perceived of like the black dahlia murder who on their early albums like were deathcore and then all of a sudden became no nah, they're they're a melodic death metal da- band now and then you sort of listen back and go well they were always a melodic death metal band i don't know <laughs> i haven't gone back to the early shadow of intent albums but yeah i think this album's awesome i think it um uh, what's that band winds of plague were you ever into them at all no but the, the name is familiar they yeah they were sort of doing this symphonic power metal influenced um deathcore uh, they're generally considered not very good because they're not very good, but they were tr- they were trying to get at something with this mixing in these Euro flourishes into, into Deathcore. There's an al- album called The Great War, I think, um, yep. which is their best album. I feel like Noyan loves that album. Uh, yeah, I think he's I think he's a fan. There's a couple of people at the blog who are a fan. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think this album sort of takes that sound and, and is the realization of it, but it's not grabbing you. No, like oh, I'm willing to give it another crack if you're so pumped. Is there anything other than power metal that's pulling you in, though? Because power, ne- power metal is not really my jam. Um, well, I don't think there's that much power metal on it. Just the fact that there is power metal on it is remarkable. I think Of Fury, <laughs> which they've just released as a single, is the song that has sort of the jaunty um, power metal vibe to it. I mean, it's a lot more melodic death metal. Like, if it's if it's not your thing and you're not into it, then I wouldn't say persevere. It's not something where it's like, oh, why don't you like it? If, you, if it's not for you, then, yeah, I don't think it's um, it has that broad appeal but if it is for you I, I think this album is is right in the pocket yeah okay it's got the guy from Whitechapel doing his his stained impression on one of the songs <laughs> you know I, th- I think this album's really cool and then like the um the fit for an autopsy one it's I keep going back to it and being like sort of surprised by by how good it is mm. But if that's all we have to say about that one, then we can move on to uh, Enterprise Earth, which were yep. the other big deathcore band to release an album on that day. This album is called The Chosen. Um, and Enterprise Earth, much like Shadow of Intent, are sort of a, you know, up and coming, or they were an up and coming deathcore band. There was a lot of buzz around them going into this album. Unlike Shadow of Intent, who I'd sort of followed and was big on their last album, I never really paid attention to Enterprise Earth. I'd seen the name. I think I'd listened to the albums once or twice and went, I don't really see why this Deathcore is any better than any other Deathcore. Like, I didn't think it was bad or anything. They just seemed like another Deathcore band, a good one, but I didn't see anything remarkable about them. Were you aware of them before this album? Because in the lead up to this, I feel like their name was everywhere. I'd never heard of them until this album. Okay. Uh, And then just all the hoo-ha around deathcore day all the deathcore bands are releasing their albums together so i thought sure why not i'll check it out all right so you checked it out before i put it on the bill for this yes yes all right well let's start with you then uh how are you feeling about the chosen i think it's pretty solid uh i enjoy it i think it's fun the guitars are really noodly and melodic the vocals i can see as being very polarizing Uh, i haven't looked into what the reaction to this record has been um, but I imagine that the high-pitched sort of half fry scream, half a distorted clean vocal may be off-putting. Uh-huh. But I actually really enjoy uh, that the tone that they get with that. Um, and like taking the, the opening track as an example, um, I think the chorus is super catchy and a real earworm uh, uh, where dreams are broken. And 
it's probably the main reason why I kept coming back to it initially, just because I thought that was a really fun track. It's it's a pretty solid opener, yeah. I think it's probably a little on the long side, um, and like did it did it really need to be an hour and seven minutes? I think forty five minutes would probably have a much better effect without really dropping anything important. Um, but I think it's fun. I like it. What about um, you? Uh, well, we're we're back in in sync mode because I, I fully agree with everything you've said. Yeah, where dreams are broken is. <laughs> just uh, the, the perfect album opener yeah um definitely doesn't need to be that long i mean my main um problem with this album is why doesn't it end with legends never die mm. um because that, that song is, is fully the, that's the big closer you've got him yelling legends never die at the end and it fades out you're like all right cool that was it and then there's like five more songs yeah <laughs> and, and all those songs are fine but i'm like why is this still going I, yeah it's definitely too long but i was both surprised by how much I like this album and I'm surprised that it sounds like this. This was not what I was expecting at all. Yeah. And I haven't gone back to their previous stuff since I've been meaning to, I just, I haven't got around to it, but I don't remember it sounding like this. Like, yeah, I remember them being like another deathcore band Mm -hmm. and they're not another deathcore band on this. Like there's the, again, a big melodic death metal influence. Those leads again, which there's a lot of shredding on this album, which is wicked. Yeah. Where Dreams Are Broken's got this massive stomping Slipknot riff to it. There's like eight minute sort of, I'm going to say power metal influenced, if not power metal sounding like epics that go through all these big stages and stuff. Definitely. I mean, yeah, they got the Unleash Hell, which has the, the big battle cry in it and stuff. Um, so yeah, this this wasn't what I was expecting. And yeah, I really dig it. The, the other band it reminds me of, um, which yeah, I think you like them as well, is when it goes into that, locks into that groovy, thrashy stuff, which it does quite a lot and I like, it really reminds me of uh, Bleed From Within. Oh yeah, yeah. I hadn't thought of that, but that's a good shout. Yeah, there's moments where it drops into that sort of stompy thrash groove and I'm like, ah, mm. Bleed From Within, which is cool because uh, was an error is the Bleed From Within album. Yeah, The one before the last, which yeah, rules. So I like to see that sound getting picked up here the vocal stuff's grown on me i was a bit thrown by it to begin with but again i think that's taking from a a european influence as well because what that reminds me of uh, which i realized later is hypocrisy do their clean vocals like that especially on they have um their two albums that are about alien abductions or maybe they're all about alien abductions but the two big alien ones i think it's the arrival otherwise i think one's called the abduction um and the arrival maybe which i think are their two best albums um, yeah, they do right. the, the vocals like that on there. So I wonder if that's a direct influence that they've been listening to hypocrisy or just they've arrived at that sound on their own. Yeah, this is really cool. I don't think it's as strong as, well, definitely not fit for an autopsy or shadow of intent, but I think maybe it's, it's more interesting than shadow of intent. Like it's mm. pulling in more directions and maybe this is the melancholy to their allergy as in the ne- the next album will be the one that pulls it all together. But yeah, all, all three of the deathcore releases are, are winners for me, much like, um, um, fit for an autopsy where I don't like that there's not a comma in the title. My main gripe with this album, apart from the length, is the cover art is is bad. Yeah, yeah. The like I like the stained glass idea, uh-huh. and and from what I can tell, I think uh, they've had they've had that theme on some prior covers as well. But just the blood is not done well. Yeah, the blood does not work and like it's not even just that it's that bold red like it's not flowing properly it's just like straight down like if it was something gritty where it was like dry blood caked on this stained glass window i think it'd be cool all right Uh, i think that's all the deathcore we've got on on the card so any Mm -hmm. last deathcore thoughts no i'm all good all right uh where are we going next then i'll let you let you pick let's go with comeback kid 
come back because I I believe you're really into this newest album, Heavy Steps. Heavy Steps. I am indeed very into the new Comeback Kid album, Heavy Steps. Um, I'm very into Comeback Kid. Uh, I was hesitant to put these on the undercard just because you're not really a hardcore guy, or I don't think of you as one. So I thought it'd just be me going, yeah, how sick a Comeback Kid? And you'd be like, oh yeah, but you told me you, you really liked their last album. Yeah, I I, I did enjoy Outsider, uh-huh. uh, which was when, I feel like that's been a while now since that came out. Um, and then this, this dropped and I checked it out and I thought, this is pretty good, but I don't think I'm enjoying it as much as I enjoyed Outsider. So I sort of left it at that. Uh-huh. And then you suggested that we have a chat about the latest record. So I uh-huh. went back to both of them to see, uh, whether I was remembering Outsider correctly. And having re-listened to it, I feel like Outsiders probably dropped in my estimation now, and Heavy Steps is probably a step up. Are you familiar with their with their other work? No. Or just these last two? Right. Outsider was my introduction. Okay. I don't go back as far as, as a lot of people, but I've, I've been listening to Comeback Kid for a while. And to me, Outsider is by far their, their weakest album. And I don't know if it's seen by this overall, but it, it didn't seem to strike as much as, as their other albums, like just with the general reaction I saw. But it, I didn't think it was a bad album. It was, it was a weird album, I thought. Like Devin Townsend's on it. Although I guess the guys from Gojira on this album. So I'm not really sure what's going on, but. I thought that really worked, by the way, the the Joe Duplantier guest spot. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, it's cool. Um, we'll get to him later because I have I have gripes, but um, yeah, Outsider for me was sort of yeah. I never really went back to it. It sort of seemed like a, a confused, messy record to me. And I I went back to it once after this and went, oh, it's decent. It's got some cool songs. Like I think I think Surrender Control was the big yeah. song or Somewhere Somehow. Both of those. Yeah, I think they were the two singles. So again, proving I'm, I'm a bit basic. But this is coming off their their two previous albums, Symptoms and Cures and Die Knowing, which I I think are their best. Like Wake the Dead's the classic, but Symptoms of Cures is my favorite, and then Die Knowing is where they like brought in a lot of the metal on Die Knowing. It's got a real mm. crossover feel to it, which I didn't think was really continued on outside. Even like they brought Devin Townsend and, and stuff, but they there wasn't a whole lot of metal metal to it. Whereas Heavy Steps is a metal album. This is they're thrash riffs, and I am here for yeah. them. This is yeah, this is wicked. Um, Heavy Steps is I mean we were saying um what's the Enterprise Earth is an amazing opener. Heavy Steps is an instant classic. It does kind of bug me that it goes straight into the chorus. I want them to sort of do a fake out and drop into another verse before they go there, but that's that's like very nitpicky. <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I think this album's wicked. Dead on the Fence is the other one for me, which has just got that big gang vocal chant and the big heavy drop at the end. Um, this is, I saw, I went to Hellfest in, what was it, 2014 or whatever, which had all the bands, mm. but the band I went off for the most were Comeback Kid, who I I almost um, didn't see, because I think that, that was the biggest clash of the whole festival. It was like them, I think Soulfly were on the main stage and someone else was playing maybe maybe Godflesh or something like that. So very, very right. different bands. Mm. And I don't know, at the last moment, I was walking over to see Soulfly and I was like, oh, I'm going to go see Combat Kid. And and I had been standing at the back being cool all weekend and I went right up the front and was doing the, <laughs> the going off, losing my shit. Nice. And that's how I am with, with this record. This comes on and I just like, all my furniture gets flipped. Uh, yeah, this this album's sick. The Joe DePlantia song. Do we do we want to talk about that? You like it? Yeah, I think it's great. Yeah, me too. My problem with it again is the cover art. <laughs> We're having a lot of meta 
uh, talks, but the cover art is not only god awful and ugly, but it's 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 an NFT color. Oh no! They did a no. they did a whole promotion thing where there was the cover was revealed and it was an NFT and things. And I don't know like how much of that's them versus the record label or you know where that's who's coming up with that idea and pushing it, but. I was very disappointed, A, that a band I liked were doing that, and, and B, that that band was Comeback Kid, who I don't think are like a particularly political band any more than any other hardcore band, but they've always seemed like they're real, man. And I'm like, oh, you're doing <laughs> NFTs. I don't know. And look, maybe if more people were actually paying for music or buying merch or whatever, they wouldn't have to do things like this. So I don't mm-hmm. bemoan them, you know, trying to make a living. But that was pretty disappointing. And then, as you said, you've got Joe Duplantier on the album, who is in Gojira and, and is very political. Um, and has the whole environmental bent, which is something I've been meaning to write about for two years now and have like a 4,000 word draft that I need to finish (laughs) off. But like their last album had this big campaign about, um, you know, saving the um, Brazilian rainforest. Mm. What's the Amazon rainforest, sorry. And then, you know, one of the things with NFTs is the environmental cost and things like that. So to have him on the album and then bring it out as an NFT is, is just... Yeah, not sitting well with me and is exacerbated by how much I really love this album. I think this is a huge return to form for them. And yeah, probably top four Comeback Kid albums. I think this is edging out broadcast. I probably personally like it. No, I don't. Wake the Dead's better. But yeah, this is this is great. And if you dig this, I'd definitely say, yeah, go back and check out um, Die Knowing yeah, in all right, particular. Cool. Yeah. All right, where to next, Carl? It's like a choose your own adventure. Let's go with Under Oath. Under Oath. Okay, a late edition, because I'm not sure how you're going to uh, feel about Under Oath. I have been a long time and uh, usually uh, glowing Under Oath fan. So, so give me give me the background on Under Oath right. because this I think this is probably the first time I've checked out a record of theirs, and I've heard the name a lot, but okay. I don't know much about them. Under Oath are or were one of the big Christian metalcore post hardcore bands, and and Christian was a big part of their identity. Right. Um, they have they have two well three now, but two very distinct phases is they released three albums uh, that no one really cared about with a different singer, and then he left, and they got their current vocalist. Spencer Chamberlain, who is, you know, he's a pretty uh, well-known figure in the sort of post-hardcore metalcore scene. He joined on their fourth album, They're Only Chasing Safety, um, which was sort of their big breakthrough album, and, and that's where I came to the band. But I've gone back to their earlier stuff, and it's it's very different, and it's not very good. They're Only Chasing Safety is an absolute classic of the, the post-hardcore screamo genre. Um, that and, and the follow-up to Find the Great Line, which... Uh, brings in a lot of post-metal elements and has, as they go on, they, yeah, bring in more of these postier, proggier, not extremely proggier, but more drawn out, interesting song structures. Mathia in places as well. To Find the Great Line is, yeah, is another classic. Um, so they're their two albums that are, that are a big deal and To Find the Great Line is the best one, but they're only chasing safety is the one I go back to and go, yeah, being a teenager and being all angsty <laughs> and shit. Yeah, and then they had two other albums, Lost in the Sound of Separation and the other one's just the naught with the cross through it. I think it's referred to as disambiguation. Right. But, uh, and these albums were also very good. And then they broke up. Um, so they were hugely uh, critically acclaimed, very popular. I think that that four album run is damn near perfect. And then they came back eight years later with Erase Me. Spencer Chamberlain uh, was we did a lot of drugs, and that was a big thing with him. He had problems with addiction, mm-hmm. um, and then that conflicted with the sort of Christian ethos that faded away towards the end of that run, but was a big part of their early identity. So there was a lot of uh, stuff going on there. 
they came back with Erase Me and the, the headline about Erase Me was they released the first single um, On My Teeth, I think it's called. Yes, the first thing On My Teeth and the big the headline about that song was He Says Fuck in that song. <laughs> Um, which, you know, a good Christian boy would never do. And there was sort of an attitude about this album of, of coming back that, you know, he was no, he was officially renounced his Christianity and, and, um, that was, that was what was going on there. So yeah, perfect four album curve leading up to that. Erase Me, this big anticipated comeback. I reviewed it when it came out in 2018 and, uh, was very disappointed in, in the record. Right. It was, and I think have been validated in the time since that this album was, yeah, a bit of a bummer. On My Teeth came out and people were like, oh, this isn't great. It's by far the best song on the album and the only one that's really stuck with them from that. Yikes. Yeah. Um, so I was almost disinterested going into Voyeurist, which again, meta critiques Voyeur. Yes, Voyeur is a word. Yeah, wasn't really taken with the with the singles, and so I sort of left it a bit until I went to it. And I think this is a a huge return to form for them. So this is more in line um, with their older stuff, though still keeps that sort of more melodic, electronic influenced modern direction that they had on the last album. So that's that's the under oath history lesson and a a headline about how I feel about it. This being your first real exposure, how are you feeling about Voyeurist Carlo? I think it's solid. The the two sounds that kept sort of jumping out at me were new metal and diet bring me the horizon. Right. So this is one of those things where Under Earth sound like Bring Me the Horizon, but Bring Me the Horizon originally sounded like Under Earth. And it's sort of <laughs> gone around and become it's In like a, circle. a yeah. it's, what's the snake called? The Ouroboros. Ouroboros. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like Hallelujah, for example, mm-hmm. it just sounds like a Sempaternal B side to me. Uh and I mean, I love Sempaternal. Don't get me wrong, uh, but it's just not quite hitting the mark that I would want it to. And the other influences that I'm picking up are bands I enjoy, like Deftones, for example. I feel like there are a few sort of postier, mellowy parts in there. Um, but overall, I feel like it's less than the sum of its influences, um, and it's not quite the different sounds aren't quite coming together in the way that I would have hoped. Yeah, Deftones is definitely a huge touchstone for this. Um, although I, I thought you did not like Deftones. Am I wrong about that? Uh, I I do enjoy them. I don't mm-hmm. love them. Like I'm not a, a Deftones fanboy. Um, and it depends on the album. Right. But overall, I'd say I enjoy them. I'll, if yeah. they were playing a show, I'd go see them. I do. They're some of the best shows I have, I've ever been to of big Deftones shows. Yeah, Voyeurist, uh, definitely, yeah, modern Deftones, the last few Deftones albums, there's a huge influence here. The, un, uh, the Bring Me the Horizon, um, thing is, is interesting. Because, I mean, I've already said it, but when I first heard Sevaternal, which I am lower on than most people, I think it's a good album, but it's not my favorite of theirs. By, by a long way. That was actually the album that got me into Metalcore. Ah, well, there we go. I think it was yeah. the album that got a lot of people into Metalcore. Um, it's the, the two before are the, the ones I like. I haven't... We could do a whole Room of the Horizon thing. We can't go into that because I just did the history of Under Earth. But um, <laughs> no, my, I think my first reaction to Sabaternal is, oh, they've been listening to Under Earth. There's a lot of we're only chasing safety on um, Sabaternal. I do agree here, though. Yeah, Hallelujah. Like, it, there's a Bring Me the Horizon song where, he's like, where he says Hallelujah, right? Hot like yes. hallelujah or something like that but no i think i think first of all when i first listened to this i was impressed by hey it's way better than the last one um <laughs> and there's a lot more aggression and heaviness to this the last album was was pretty flat so opening with damn excuses i think was um you know a bit of a statement of intent although again they're playing on it's, it's called damn excuses because like you know fuck god and all of that which is where i do think the 
immaturity on the lyrics really comes through and weirdly mm. they sound more immature here than they did on They're Only Chasing Safety. But I think there's some huge songs on this. Um, the Cycle featuring Ghostmane is fucking wicked. Um, and if you watch, there's a like a live video of them performing that that's just, it's sick. Just like okay, gets yeah, me pumped. I'll check it out. Um, I think Ghostmane, he's sort of like, he doesn't stand out as much as I was expecting him to, but I, I think he lends that song like its own sort of vibe and they, they really run with it. What's the one? Hallelujah. As much as it's a Bring Me the Horizon aping song, I think it's just a huge anthem. Yeah. Oh, We're All Gonna Die as well. That song gets stuck in my head. Um, and Numb, which I think was the lead single that I was like, oh, I'm not really into this. Yeah, now I'm into it. I think, I think if this was the new Bring Me the Horizon album, people would be losing their shit. That's probably a fair call. Mm. Like, although... Would they be losing their shit because it's good? Or would they be losing their shit just because it's more in the style that they want from them? I think this is way better than the last Bring Me the Horizon EP or album or whatever that was. No! What is wrong with you, Josh? That was amazing. Uh, I didn't like that at all. That was I a top that three was... record. The, the first track was alright. That's for me. No, I, I did not like that album. The, the song with Baby Metal was atrocious. Um, this is so. I think this would be when they were talking about, oh, we're going back to our old sound and stuff. Like this would be the um, fruition, uh, the, the delivery of that, I guess. Mm. Um, so yeah, maybe people looking for that more genre blending and bending side would be disappointed. But as far as like, oh, it's bringing the horizon, doing the the modern thing, um, but with a bit of the old grit. I think this is yep. it. Although it speaks volumes that we're talking about bringing the horizon rather than than under earth. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm really into this, and I find myself going back to it heaps just because. Yeah, songs like "We're All Gonna Die." Just I find myself singing them. I'm like, all right, gotta go listen to Under Earth all afternoon now, and I and I'm I'm cool with that. Yeah, yeah, it's not quite reeling me back in the way it is with you. I mean, I definitely have the the nostalgia thing for it, where I'm like, cool, mm. this is back to the vibe. But I, I thought you might have been into this one because like you're into stuff like Lincoln Park and the North Lane, the newer North Lane albums and things. I think there's a bit of that there. I was surprised to hear you say new metal. Yeah, you don't hear. I mean, the, the Deftones thing, if we're calling that new metal, though I think they're pretty far removed again, and not really. Yeah, that's like quite a strong vibe for me, just with the, okay. the way that they're riffing and the, the tones. It's bouncy, but I, I guess I associate it more with, yeah, the post-hardcore stuff. Mm. All right. Um, that's all we got to say about Voyeurist. Yes. Again, atrocious cover-up. What is going on? Um, yeah, they will not be making my column. <laughs> Alright, so our last uh, band on, on the undercard, uh, a Melbourne man, because we're from Melbourne, we didn't say that, but we are. Indeed. Uh, Hadel Moore, who, yes, a very a smaller band compared to all the other ones we've talked about today, I guess apart from Wilder Run, who even have a bit of buzz at the moment, this has been a very, uh, uh, what's the word, not mainstream, but the, these are big names we've been talking about, mm. and Hadel Moore are, are not. Um, they're a band you and I have, have a bit of a, a history with, yeah? Yeah, so I have been across them since their debut, uh, Senium, which I really enjoyed. took me a long time to get into it and for it to click for me, but when it did, it was great. Uh, Then they came out with Olm a few years back, which had some really good material on it, but the production just wasn't quite right for me, and... They're a band that are fantastic live and still haven't been able to translate that on record. Uh, And since then, they've released a couple of EPs 
and Oblique Order being the most recent among them. Yes, so this is four tracks, um, and for those not in the know, had more of the band votes, the guitarist from, um, was it A Million Dead Birds Laughing? I yes. think they made this band while that band were broken up, and then have sort of kept going since they've reformed. Yeah, I was actually aware of them, because I'm, I'm cool. Uh, when they put out their demo in 2012, because I think I was following A Million Dead Birds Laughing they put it out, and it was... Have, have you heard that one, the 2012 no. promo? No. It's very different from what they ended up being. I don't think they had um, uh, Ben Boyle, the, the guitarist. I don't think he joined at that point. So it was the rhythm or the secondary guitarist from A Million Dead Birds Laughing. Had a bit more of a an almost, not new metal, but that alt metal kind of vibe to it. Right. Um, and I, I was really hyped on that. There, there were two songs, um, Merchant of... Aeonian Pulse, whatever that means, and Shadowcast, which that's the one if you if you go back and listen to that, that song owns. Um, so I was really excited when the debut came out and was a little bit disappointed that it was like so in line with sort of what A Million Dead Birds Laughing had been doing. Mm. Um, I mean, it's pretty different from A Million Dead Birds Laughing. Are, are you a big fan of them? Uh, I don't know about big fan, but yeah. I do. There's a, They've got a couple of records that I really enjoy. Yeah, I mean, I, I really like them and like they're pretty wild. Um, and this to me was sort of like, well, what if it was that tone, but a bit more straightforward mm. in that dissonant tech death? And I thought it was cool. I think Olm was a, was a big step up. But as you said, it's the production. What's going on? They, and they don't seem to be able to fix it. Why is it still not sounding right? I mean, I don't know if anyone else thinks this because, yeah, we've talked about this before. Um, I was very surprised and pleasantly, pleasantly surprised that you agreed with me about the production. I thought this was a weird me gripe. And I, I reviewed their last AP, Charlatan, from 2018 and, and said as much in that review. Like, I love the idea of this band. I listen to it. The riffs are yeah. cool. They're awesome live. Like, we've seen them together live. I can't remember who with, but they were like the best band on the night. I think it was Psychroptic and a couple other people and yeah. they just sounded huge and awesome and then you just get it on record and it's just it's so energyless to me I don't know yeah no, that's a great way to put it and like usually we we said it at the top that weird atonal dissonant death metal is not usually my go but mm. they do a really great job at it and we're among the the forefront of that genre sort of rising up over the last 10 years or so but I mean I saw them live just a couple of weeks ago and it oh, okay. was incredible and Who they played with? um they so they headlined and black lava was the main support which is a okay. new band featuring ben boyle and dan presland from nabla viscaris on drums and a couple guys from black helm on bass and vocals so new super so it's a super group i guess um they've recorded their new record but it's not out yet I think it's being mastered at the moment. I'm going to listen to that. But back to Hadel Moore. Um, like I'd lis- I'd listened to this EP before going to the show, and was just like, okay, this sounds just like the rest of Hadel Moore's discography. Uh, it's fu- it's fine. It's pretty good. It's not really doing a huge amount for me. And then I saw it live and was like, this is sick. Why did I not feel like this is sick when I listened okay. to it on record? And in in particular, the title track, Oblique Order. Um, I didn't pick this up when I when I first heard it, but live they brought on the two two of the guest vocalists that feature on the track. Uh-huh. And so we've got the usual voc- vocalist who's sort of a mid range growl and then they bring on karina utomo of high tension who's chipping in with high-pitched fry screams 
and then Luke Frizon from Growth. I don't know. And that. and he has just got these bellowing lows, reminiscent of Slaughter to Prevail for me at least. Um, okay. Not not so much on on the recorded version, but seeing them live, that's probably the deepest sound I've heard a person make. <laughs> and so you've got those three vocalists, each with their own range, harmonizing. I guess if you if you can if you can say that for harsh vocals. And it just sounded monstrous and massive, and I loved it. And it's a shame that you don't get that same power uh, when you listen to the record. I, I Yeah, I listened to this just before we started, because um, it's like 20 minutes long or something, and I did not notice that at all. I had no idea. Not only that did I not know there were guest vocals on this album, I didn't know there was anything going on with the vocals on that song. Um, exactly. That song stood out to me as the best on the album, but because of what the guitars were doing. Yep. Yeah, this is fallen real flat for me, and I'm, I'm glad you've said they're wicked live i haven't been to a gig for like two years since like pre-covid stuff so i might have to get it back out there and check this out but that sort of reinvigorated my hope i guess because i sort of listen to this and when i'm done with hate or more like it's just not happening and i think we've referred to them previously as the most frustrating band um, yes because I, I i love the idea of them they're awesome live but it, it just doesn't come through and i don't know i don't know if we're the only two people who think this because they seem to have a pretty big following and they get good uh well reviewed but yeah constantly it doesn't translate for me but mm. they don't seem interested in changing that because like i don't know if they think it's a problem well yeah it, it sounds like a deliberate choice at this point yeah the production's been the same on all of their albums which so it's, it's what they're going for but also like that kind of has a lack of ambition to it i guess um they are sort of repeating themselves i don't know mm. i i want a grittier production from them and i don't know is there a dissonant band with with gritty production because i can't think of like someone to be like oh you should sound like this because you know gorguts and ulcerate have this like they're they're the gold standard when it comes to this sort of thing and they have that real crisp sound so i don't know i don't know who they should be imitating but this isn't working for me but maybe it's working for everyone else and it sounds like it's working live still yep they, they played the other stuff from this this EP? Yeah, I think they definitely played at least two or three when I was re-listening okay. to it earlier. Um, so, yeah, a good dose of the EP as well as um, their whole catalogue, actually. Mm-hmm. It was a good show. Yeah, I haven't been back to Charlton either. I don't know. Yeah, Charlton did nothing for me. Right. Yeah, Alms the one and it just doesn't quite get there. I don't know. A frustrating band, but maybe other people like them more than us, or more than me. You, you like them a lot, it seems. You are reinvigorated. <laughs> I am. I still have hope, Josh. Don't okay. give up on them. All right. I won't. I'll go see them live next time they're, they're playing, or probably when they're supporting someone else I like. All right, that that is our undercard, the end of our official reviews, which is yeah, quite, we've been talking for a while. So the supports is just a section for us to sort of shout out anything else uh, we've been listening to that's of note. Um, I've got a list there of stuff I thought was worth maybe mentioning. Did you have anything you wanted to talk about, or are there any of those you've listened to and actually want to discuss? I don't have any anyone's had uh that's pretty much all the listening i've done from january um that we've already discussed although the dance with the dead album intrigues me because i have heard some of their previous stuff and i thought i think they're pretty cool i didn't realize they had a new one um so i'd be keen to hear your thoughts on that uh yes this is called driven to madness because it has a skeleton driving a car you see it's cool 
that's about all I've got. That's why it's sitting down there in the in the supports. It's it's a fun metally synth um, sort of album. I've put it on a few times, and it's actually it's got a bit of a Zeta vibe to it mm-hmm. um, when they get pumping, but. Yeah, it hasn't really stuck with me as much as as some of the last stuff. So, but it's cool if you're looking for you know big thump and electro metal. It's good stuff. Cool. Well, I don't want to just talk at you then about about all these other albums. So I'll just pick a a couple. I wanted to mention Varsity. That's Varsity spelled V R S T Y. Are you familiar with them? Never heard of them. Um, they're one of these R and B metalcore bands, um, like in the in the vein of Issues and and things. They had an EP out maybe last year or the year before that was that was pretty cool and interesting. And then uh, this album came out, and I was. The singles didn't do much for me. I was looking forward to it because of how much I was digging the Weekend album, but this album's fallen uh, pretty pretty flat for me, and I think a lot of other people as well. So, a bit of a disappointment there. But if you're interested in the Weekend, goes very light metalcore. Maybe check that one out. Cool. On on the positive side of that, uh, is this Years and Years album? Now, are you aware of this? No. So Years and Years, apparently they're a big deal. They're a UK right. band or a U- a UK solo artist because following on from uh, the weekend. What genre are we working with? Gay pop, right? <laughs> um, uh, he looks familiar. Yeah. I, so this is. Ollie Alexander, um, yep. who apparently is a known quantity. I'd never heard of him or or them. I think it was a band that became a solo project. But yes, it's very strange that we have the weekend and years and years and pop stars are called time frames now. I'm not sure what's going on there. <laughs> yeah, if if you're into the the weekend, and I'm talking to you, the audience, not you, Carlo, because I don't think there'll be much for you on this one. This is like dancey, dancey pop. It, it's really cool. I've I've been listening to that a lot. Yeah, I don't want to do a full review because we're just mentioning. I'm scrolling through. I see Kylie Minogue in the track yes. listing, and no wonder <laughs> you love it. Uh, well, I didn't even like Kylie Minogue until last year. We did that. We did the whole Kylie feature, but um, uh, yeah, it's got that that sort of vibe. Um, no, there's the you got to get the bonus version because there's a song about muscles. It's good stuff. Um, so this has <laughs> been my if Comeback Kids my flipping all my furniture over album. This is my um, boogieing while I pick it all back up album. This is this is a good go to feel good record that I yeah recommend to uh, people who like the weekend and fun pop music. Um, what else is there? Yeah, that should about do us. Though I do want to do a a semi official section called Josh tries to be cool, which okay. can be expanded to Josh and Carlo try to be cool if you want to get involved. But this is when <laughs> like these. These are all the albums we're interested in talking about. It's been, yeah, a fairly mainstream um, build this week. So I'm sure all the all the cool people on Heavy Blog and, and in the listening are going, well, why haven't you been listening to Kralis and Boris? So I went and listened to Kralis and Boris. <laughs> have you listened to the Kralis or the Boris album, Kylo? I have not, unfortunately. Okay. So yeah, I figure every episode I'll try, I'll try and pick one of these just albums that are that I'm not cool enough for. Was Halo Moore not cool enough? Well, no, apparently, according to our review. I don't think Kralis are cool enough either. What's going on? Did you have a Kralis thing? I don't know. People like them. Like, I've, I've been recommended them so many times, but that kind of black metal, just too, too weird for me. It's not weird enough for me, I think is my problem. Or the, right. the 10 or 15 minute snapshot I listened to, it just seemed like a lot of... 
trebly harshness and, and not a lot of uh, not a lot of variation. I don't know. Um, but the one I actually did give a prolonged listen to, I did listen to the entire Boris record. Um, are you familiar with Boris? I've never listened to a full album of theirs, but okay. I, I know that they're eclectic. Yeah. <laughs> Boris are weird, man. Yeah. I put them in. Yeah, we do the release day roundups and I try and put in little funny genre tags and then Scott goes in and, and edits them all to make them sensible. Um, <laughs> but he, I just put in Boris's, uh, I think it was just like, uh? And, and he left that one in, because I don't know what you describe this as. This is, it's like doom metal, but what if there was like ambient, 20 minutes of ambient music and then doom metal that kind of rocks and then back to ambient. Um, it was fun. It was cool. I kind of liked Boris. I'm interested in Boris. So maybe someone let me know which Boris album I should listen to. Um, but that was my attempt to be cool for the month. I don't know what's coming out. We'll try and find find something for next month that I can... Uh... Actually, I think next month, the the Black Country New Road album that's already come out, I'm going to try and put myself through that. All right. Okay. I'll join you. We can All try right. and be cool kids together. <laughs> that's a, that's our version of the cool people column. Exactly. We, we put on sunglasses for the end of the podcast and pretend that we like um, true underground music. Although I think <laughs> Black Country New Road won like a Brit Award or some shit. Yeah, I don't know about underground, but... Oh, I did want to ask, did you listen to this um, this SOM album? S-O-M? No. No, I was just... What is it? It, um, it's on Pelagic Records and it sounds like the ocean. Okay. Yeah, so it's so great, it. is what you're saying. I don't know. It sounded sounded fine. I didn't really listen to it. Apparently, some people in on the Slack were hyped about it when it was coming out, but I'd never heard of them. I don't know what SOM or SOM stands for, but that was the other review they had up on on Heavy Blog. Do they have a lot of circles on their album cover? The shape they of do. everything. Yes. Okay. That does look very Pelagic esque, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. You can check that one out and report back. How much does it sound like the ocean? Well, last year there was. Meridian, I think, as the latest Pelagic Ocean clone, and they were great. Oh, that's cool the one stuff. you recommended to me, yeah? Yeah. That was good. I liked that one. So, mm. if this is anything like that, I'm pumped. Yeah, I think it's it's been getting good reviews, so yeah. Um, Alright, that's it. Do we want to just do a, a one month, every month thing, rather than try and do it more regularly and, and have it be a pain in the ass? Yeah, I think month sounds good. Month sounds good to me as well. I'm just looking at February, because February um, there is Persephone, Zelenada, Venom Prison, Cold of Luna, Allegaeon, Rollo Tomasi, Author and Punisher, um, and a whole bunch of other stuff. There's Immolation and Amorphous, which can go in the supports or whatever, but there's like this, there's a Corn album that came out. So I don't know, maybe we need to we need to cull that, that list down or something. Or we can just talk about them all because we're, we're sick. We'll figure it out, yeah. All right. Uh, how do we end the podcast? Because I just said my other one, I go, bye. <laughs> so, if you got a better idea, uh, I don't know. I was just going to go with something boring, like thanks for listening to Untitled Podcast with Josh and Carlo, and I'll see you next month. Yes, thank you for listening to the Carlo Experience featuring Josh. We will see you in a month. Bye. Hopefully not. <laughs>